Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No, you're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on The Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hey Tribe, this is Shaman Dirk, and I just want to let you know I love you. And if anyone hasn't told you that they love you, there's one person on the earth who does love you. And when I talk about loving you, it's I love all that you are and all that we are as a species. The thing is, is that we are a very difficult species. And for the matters that be, 
a lot of people like to, you know, point the fingers outside of themselves and focus on these things of, you know, the darkness and demons and the devil and all these things. And they always want to say the devil made me do it. The darkness is making me act this way. I have spirit attached to me and it's making me do these things. And yes, of course, there are spirits that attach to you, but not for the reasons you think they're attaching to you. In fact, the reason why spirits attach to you are why spirits are affecting us on this planet on any level and why we have resistance on this planet is because we are a species that doesn't know how to use its power correctly. We are a species that is a direct effect to the universal field of intelligence. And there are so many beings in the galaxies that are watching us because we are literally a threat to other civilizations and a threat to other life forms. We are the only species that operates in the field of needing to use our powers in some self-destructive way. That means what? That means that we have so much ability, but the reason why we're here on Earth, a lot of people like to think that it's just something outside of them that's doing it to them. We have a natural tendency in our being because we were a species that was indigenated with an animal DNA. We have certain DNA characters within us that make us a volatile species. And what that means is that instead of everyone focusing on love and harmony and the good for all people to be able to thrive and continue to live their lives on earth without struggle, without pain, without difficulty, we are a species that is comfortable seeing other people go through difficulty and then accept that that's normal. Except that it's normal to watch a person begging in the street for food when we have so much food in our refrigerator that we throw out every week or every other week. So many people who are freezing cold and have blankets in their house, and yet those people on the streets don't have it. And not just the people on the streets, we're talking people in other countries. We have so much resource on this planet. No one should be starving on this planet. There's enough crops, enough resource for us to make sure that everyone on this planet is fed and taken care of. And that's not just in involving just the people who need food and, and, and comforts, such as blankets for the winters and so forth. But this is also about us every time some aspect of our being gets hurt, we want to hurt another person or hurt ourselves. We want to use our intelligence to split an atom and create an atomic bomb to hurt people, to destroy life. You see, in ancient times, a lot of people don't remember because perhaps the memory was erased by certain beings so that we wouldn't realize what a volatile species we are. In ancient times, we were so volatile that we were actually hurting other types of life forms to the point where Earth had to be, you know, here for us. And the spirits that we call the dark ones and whatever are here to suppress our ability, suppress our powers until we learn to be able to love greater than the darkness or greater than fear. And we still do it. What do we do? We persecute ourselves. We persecute each other. We judge each other. We judge ourselves. We condemn each other. We compare each other. We look for who's better and who's not. We do all of these things that limit us from seeing the potential of a thriving community of human beings living in harmony with nature and all other life forms. 
And when a being comes here to Earth, what's the first thing we do? We capture them, we put them in science labs, and we experiment on them. This is exactly what everyone in the universe sees. They see us as a species that doesn't care how we hurt and affect anyone else, including ourselves. And that is very destructive. So yes, there are spirits on this planet. And yes, these spirits are here to suppress us until we learn some responsibility and compassion and love and and kindness and so many other things. And it's also here to get us to look at how we're utilizing our energies and our abilities. So if people want to call that evil and Satan and whatnot, I wouldn't, I would definitely say it's a spirit that's there to show you what your true urges are and to help you to stay in that space if that's what you want, but suppress you from your other powers. Now, the thing is, as human beings on planet Earth, we have a choice. We have a choice to be able to course correct ourselves and our behaviors, but it is going to take a lot of love and kindness and nurturing. And when I say nurturing, a lot of nurturing. You're going to have to nurture a lot of yourself to see yourself so that you can actually make those corrections. <laughs> and, you know, I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people on the, who's probably listening to this and going like, what is Shaman Dirk talking about? Is this like a doomsday share? And no, it's not. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call for us to stop pointing the fingers outside and looking for the evil, looking for the darkness, and realize that it's embedded in all of us. And we have a choice to start operating, not from a, I'm you know, going to do all these things so I can be a good person, because even that is also manipulative, because it's not coming from truth. It's coming from the need to present oneself in a certain way, to be loved, to be liked, to be seen, to be valued, and most importantly, not to be ostracized by your community. Literally, we have to cut the bullshit. We have to knock off the nonsense. We have to get really clear about what is really going on on planet Earth and realize that everything you see on the outside is already the things that are happening on the inside. Like, do you know how many people claim to be spiritual people doing yoga, doing this, all these things, and then they bicker and argue with their loved ones. They fight with people. They um, argue in their relationships and they wonder why we have hurricanes, why we have storms, why we have fires, uh, why we have all these things happening because the level of energy and aggression that we hold inside literally casts spells out into the universal field, out into the planetary field. And therefore, all of a sudden, what happens? Nature responds to us. So it could be a flood, it could be a hurricane, it could be a tornado, it could be a forest fire, it could be all kinds of things, lightning storms, you name it. And the more we continue to operate in chaos energy, the more these things are gonna show up. You know, people always ask me about the book that I wrote, Spirit Hacking, and how did I know that all these different things were gonna happen, this blackout, which was all about, you know, what's happening on our planet and, you know, the whole thing with the race situation, you know, that all that showed up and all the other things that I talk about from the medical industry to you name it. And the reason why it's not that difficult when you actually listen to nature and you listen to spirit and it tells you what we are actually doing as an aggressive force of energy in this planetary scale. And that's just here isolated on this planet. 
Thank God for that. And I can tell you right now that no human being is going to find another life form of intelligence outside of Earth until we show that we can start loving the people on our own planet. We got to love each other. We really do. We got to love each other on our own planet because why would any being want to come from another galaxy to a planet where they're going to be tortured and and have their their technology and their resources used to enslave the people of their own of, of the planet that they're that they're a part of? So again, think about it for a second, right? Another species gives us technology. Do we use that technology for the betterment of all people? Or do we use that technology to suffocate, to subjugate, and to play power games with each other of who gets the technology and who doesn't, and whoever has it gets it, wants to go to war for it. And then, you know, and it becomes this big chaos um, situation again, causing more conflict on our planet. Is it necessary? Absolutely not. But why? Why do we keep doing that? because we have a malfunction inside of our beings. We have not been able to realize that if we can watch TV and go to movies and write you know, scripts and, and all the things that we do in our geniusness that we have accomplished, which is a lot, why haven't we been able to figure out how to bring world peace? And I'll tell you why. Because people are literally disconnected from the reality of the truth that they're actually experiencing. They only see and perceive small portions of what is actually going on because the veil uh, that is being casted over humanity is casting over humanity as according to what they're comfortable with in their evolution. So if people, a majority of people on earth are not comfortable with seeing the truth that we are actually the threat, not the darkness, not the demon that people are afraid is coming in the room or the spirit that's walking in their hallways or whatever, they're more scared of us. So they're trying to, to, to tame us because we are capable of self-destructing ourselves and also destroying another person or something in nature or some other life form because we haven't understood the life code. We don't fully comprehend the value and understanding of a sentient being and what it means to love that sentient being, including yourself. That means the way we talk to ourselves. You know, we are the biggest bullies to our feminine energy, which is the emotions in our body. Our mind, which is the masculine, completely gives the wrong information to the feminine energy. And that's why people spiral into depression, suicide. They go into fear, lack, limitation, scarcity, worry, you name it, anger, all these things. Because why? Because the mind thinks it knows everything, and then it goes in and affects the feminine energy, which is the emotions, by giving the wrong information. And then all of a sudden, the emotions responds back to the mind and goes, hey, I feel horrible for what you just told me. And then instead of the mind taking responsibility for its actions of giving incorrect data, which is malfunction in thinking, the mind decides to get stubborn and get upset that it's feeling these feelings from the feminine energy inside. 
And you wonder why we have an issue on our planet with masculine and feminine energy, why women have been suppressed for such a long period of time and not given a voice and not heard and abandoned and not seen and not and men not showing up for themselves at all. And even just in the spiritual community, I guarantee you, if I go on my Instagram right now and I look and see what's the majority of people following and listening to me and it's women. And if I go on my TikTok, what is the majority of people listening to me? It's women. And if I go into any of my social media accounts, it's always women. Why? Because women want to see us change. They want to see evolution. There are some men out there who want that, but that's because they got more in touch with nurturing themselves and their feminine and was able to listen to their emotions so that there is a conversation happening between the masculine, which is the mind, the keeper of fire, and the feminine, which is the which is emotions, the keeper of water, communicating together. Therefore, bringing new information from the spirit self to the mind, the mind to the emotions, the emotions creates from the seed of the mind and then creates into this world, into this dimension, into all dimensions. So the energy that is actually affecting us is the incorrect information that the mind is producing to the emotional self. Booyah! Mind blow. And, it, and literally, when it comes to, the, to this understanding, you really have to really sit back and, and think for a second that all of the major issues that we have on the planet is coming from this malfunction in thinking. And I've spent my whole life really researching and understanding the development of our species from anthropology to sociology to really getting clear what is causing this malfunction in thinking? What is it that we human beings continue to perpetuate in our behaviors that is actually causing some form of aggressive behavior to ourselves? And what I figured out was very simple, was that we don't know how to communicate within ourselves and what we really are. We don't realize that the mind, the masculine energy is still holding fragmentations of the certain types of animal energy of territory and and alpha positioning and all of these different things that it actually was not listening to the feminine which is there to nurture and create new experiences out of the unknown based on the information that it's been given right and so again when you have this very overly alpha type mind that's analyzing everything and looking into the information that this world gives first of all if you're a person who bases your thoughts and ideas based on this world and you think that's the way to actually access the spiritual world you're completely off you're completely off like like really off and the reason why is because the information in this world is governed for slavery it's governed to create hierarchy it's governed for separation it's governed to make you your own uh, warden to your own uh, jail cell it wants you to become the person who whips you and beats you so that the system doesn't have to do it in that way anymore because in ancient days and what they would do is just simply give you the worst living conditions, give you very little food, work you all day long. And if you didn't do your work right, they'd whip you, beat you or kill people close to you. So you can have an example of fear that you have to do what they want you to do or else. 
So that energy of that perpetuating fear, that uncertainty of knowing if your life is going to extend more than a year or two years because you don't know if you're going to collapse by carrying boulders and rocks and all kinds of things they might have you doing was so scary at that time because you didn't know if you were even going to get food and you didn't know if someone got sick, if they would be able to be taken care of. So your family and everyone around you was living in this perpetual state of uncertainty and fear. So how do you create a system that actually makes it possible for you to stay in that space? Again, oh, you build a system called the matrix. And what you do is you program the matrix to operate in a way where it messes with your inability to recognize the communication between your mind and your emotions. It gets you caught up in all kinds of distractions and energies that make you feel that the information that you get and you give to your emotions is not in sequence, in harmony with the universal field and the natural field of nature and, and, and energies of other sentient beings because it operates in the idea of survival through fear and through lack. And I've got to get mine before you get mine. Or it's not fair that you have that and I don't. And, and I, I have to have this and, 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 and I don't care what it takes to get it. I don't care who I have to hurt and who I have to step on. And you'd be surprised. People will say to me, I don't do that. Those people are like dictators and whatnot. And I talked to this one woman once who's a mother and she made that comment to me once on a dinner table. And I said, you know, it's a very fascinating thing you see because every time you bombard in your child's room and you don't give your child an opportunity to express how they feel about what you're doing and your evolution and how you're showing up in their lives, you are actually doing the very thing. You're a dictator to your children. You are putting them in whatever it is you want them to be in without question. You're telling them who they have to be, how they have to look, what they have to become and how much sacrifice and how much money and how much this and how much that and what you did when you were growing up and why they should do it too. You are a dictator. You are not operating in operating in the sequence of harmony that it takes for a human being to develop their own equilibrium and their ability to stand on their own feet with their own mind and their own feelings and their own way of perceiving the world. So what do we do on the planet is that we superimpose our projections and our ideas onto other people instead of allowing other people to be who they are and nurture their process to whatever it is they feel that makes them the happiest and joyful, most human being on the planet. And that's how we have to be. And yes, we have a way to go, but I wanted to share this with you so you can start understanding that what you see, what's happening in the world right now is a direct relationship to the chaos we're creating internally. And if we are going to shift these energies, we're going to have to lift and overhaul all the nonsense and all the lies and all the incorrect information that people keep going to when they analyze and realize that the resource of information can only come from the unknown. And it comes from the place where you're not afraid to intermingle with your higher self, which is your shadow in disguise. The shadow will show you exactly what behaviors and patterns and things that you're doing that is actually causing chaos and conflict on the internal that also affects the external. And we can do this. 
And I'm going to do everything I can to support you in this journey. If it means coming in and having private sessions with me, or if it means getting really cool things that are enhancing your life spiritually, or if it means, you know, getting posts or whatever it is that I have to do. If I have to post things on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, if I have to lecture or do workshops or whatever it's going to be, I'm going to dedicate my life to making sure that this time around, we get it right. I love you and I know that you're on this journey with me. And remember, you're not my student. We are colleagues and we're sharing ideas and inspirations so that we can take it to a higher level. And to get to the fifth dimensional level, it's going to require us to remove the density and transform it through alchemy, through new information and more intelligible thinking. I love you. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. Hey Tribe, have you ever wondered when you get nervous and you feel those butterflies around in your stomach? Or when you eat something and you get like crampy or bloated? Did you know that your brain and your gut are connected? and that your gut has its own nervous system and that leading causes to depression, mental health, decline, anxiety, and so forth has now been found that it comes from your gut and not just your brain. And that's really important when it comes to this knowing of how your body operates. Because unlike the brain, the entric nervous system is not necessarily capable of doing the math equations like writing a book report or having its mind of its own. The entric nervous system controls the body autonomic responses to digestion. It releases the digestive enzymes necessary to break down food and control swallowing and blood flow. So our gut health is so important because it really is connected to our brain and how we are able to function in the world. When you have an imbalance of healthy probiotics inside of your system, you are literally creating a cesspool of toxins, bacteria, and viruses that can actually affect your immune system and create high levels of free radical in your system, increase your acid, and cause all types of situations such as irritable bowel syndrome, and um, all kinds of constipation, diarrhea, bloating, pain, stomach upset, and even cause you to gain weight. And that's a problem. And one of the reasons why I think it's important and why I'm sharing all of this with you is because I found that really supports um, being able to help your gut and be able to fix the irritable bowel syndrome and get rid of that bloating and that cramping. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you because I know that this is going to be the thing that you've been looking for. It's RS Coso. And RS Coso is a fermented superfood. It is a 100% natural supplement on the market that provides balanced nutrition combining probiotics and prebiotics and postbiotics and enzymes which are to improve your gut health. And if a lot of people don't know about postbiotics, but postbiotics support your immune system. They help prevent and treat diarrhea, reduce symptoms associated with irritable bowel syndromes, diseases, and reduce severities of certain allergies in your system. Not only that, but postbiotics are also generally safe and well-tolerated 
in the body. So your body actually absorbs it in a way that supports good health and a functioning body for your microbiome. And that's important to keep your brain and your health intact because mental health is on the decline because a lot of people don't know about what is necessary for them to put in their system to fix their gut health so that their brain and their gut are functioning in a beautiful way. So I totally am so excited to share with you RS Coso so that you can increase your postbiotics in your body, boost your immune system, get rid of those irritable bowel syndromes, the cramping, the bloating, and live a healthier and more fulfilled life. So tribe, please, for the sake of your health, go check out RS Coso. You can go to RSCOSO, that's R-S-K-O-S-O dot com. And use the code SHAMAN10 to receive 10% off. And send me a message on Instagram or TikTok and let me know how you feel about your health after checking out and drinking RSCOSO. Love you. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome today to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I am super excited to have my beautiful friend in the studio with us today, Ali Merrick McGuire. For those of you who do not know Ali Merrick McGuire, she is the co-founder of Awareness Ties and editor-in-chief in the Aware Now magazine. A lot of you haven't known that I have been featured in that magazine with my beloved Princess Marta. It's an amazing magazine dedicated to her personal life and professional life in service to others to raise awareness for the causes that we are all tied to in one story at a time. With original and organic content, she seeks to educate and empower us to rise above the circumstances and to pursue our passions with purpose. Recently diagnosed with MS after losing vision in one eye, she also serves as the Awareness Ties official ambassador for multiple sclerosis. She travels around the world, meets the most lovely and beautiful people, sharing their stories and their triumphs to create a beautiful world where we create more intention and awareness so that we all can thrive as the years to come. Ali, thank you for being in the studio with us today. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Ecstatic about being here. Thank you, darling. So I want to go into my first you know, question because you know, just like right off the bat, you know, when I met you with my friend Kent, we were, I think we were in somewhere in LA. I don't remember exactly where, at some cafe outside. I remember. And I just remember meeting you and I looked in your eyes and I was just like, this amazing woman and like just felt so happy and so honored and privileged to be able to sit with you and and share time with you and then to really just get more into who you are. And that's why it was so important for me to bring you on to share you with the tribe. Can you share more about your background and what inspired you to create Awareness Ties and Aware Now magazine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That recollection of our first encounter, it was amazing. You know, I've always been a word lover since I was very young. And so when I started my professional career, I started with poetry. And I felt it was something that I felt very empowered by. And I felt like I could empower others through it. 
So it was a win-win on both ways of that, but always about words. After being super focused into poetry, into speaking, I got into wine. Really, in all cases, I've always been a translator, right? So it's like if someone's swirling some wine, they're like, oh, it has hints of anise. And then someone's like, what the hell is anise? I'm like, Twizzler's black licorice. And they're like, got it. Thank you. So it's always been about translating, whether it's wine, whether it's using words, right? Because again, like we were talking, you can have the most brilliant thing to say, to share. And if it's not translated properly, it falls on deaf ears. So yeah, I mean, I guess I've always been about translating and connecting, which is why awareness ties. Now, when I met my husband, Jack, you know, he and I came from other lives. And when we met, when we both swiped right (laughs) and met, four weeks later, we were married. And it happened that quickly because, you know, when you know, you know. Yeah. And so fast forward a bit more. And so we had our careers, we had our, you know, past lives, we merged them together. So a total of six children then, and a bit Brady Bunchy that way. We were out at Paramount Studios. We were putting together an event, a gold tie event, because we wanted to recognize those social impact filmmakers who are setting the gold standard in filmmaking. And so instead of a black tie event, there's all kinds of those. Let's do a gold tie event. And everyone loves it. I think that's absolutely wonderful, by the way. Right? They love the concept. I love the concept. On the flight back to Michigan, we're talking more and Jack's like, you know, I think there's something to this whole tie thing. And so to play off the methodology that people already have ingrained in them, when you see pink, it means breast cancer. When you see purple, it means just cancer. When you see or domestic violence or any other number of causes that are associated with that shade. So we said, let's go ahead and take this methodology that everyone already knows. And instead of a ribbon, let's do ties. Because, you know, if I'm, for example, here, you know, I'm walking down the street and I've got this crazy, obnoxious orange tie on, people say, Allie, what the heck with this great big orange tie? I said, well, you know, there's a story behind that. Yeah, let me just tell you, because, you know, actually a year ago I was diagnosed with MS. Let me tell you the story about this. These ties, awareness ties, were meant to be conversation starters. Can you imagine going to a concert where funds would go to support, for example, MS? And seeing the sea of people wearing all of these orange ties, that solidarity, that unified statement that's made without saying anything. So that and then fundraising in schools, winning, this is the way to go. That was our way forward. So awareness ties. Then the pandemic happened. And I'm not going to say we pivoted because everyone says that. I'm tired of the word. I will say that we shifted gears and yeah, we shifted to a higher gear. That whole word of pivoting, right? <laughs> it's, it's like we aligned ourselves to where we needed to be, you know? Yes. I, and, and see, that, that sounds much better. It just feels better. And we feel better with actually what, what happened with our shifting of gears, our alignment, because we realized that we didn't need the tie. The tie was, again, just a conversation starter about a story to be shared. And so as opposed to raising awareness one tie at a time, it became raising awareness one story at a time. And there we birthed Aware Now Magazine. Aware Now Magazine became Aware Now Podcast, became Aware Now TV. And so we created this platform that served as a safe space for people to share the stories that ultimately end up changing the world one person at a time. 
That is absolutely amazing. And I'm, and I love your magazine. It's so beautiful. And the stories are actually poignant and potent and very necessary to share. I think, you know, there's this whole thing I feel where, you know, people are always sharing about the most horrible things that are happening in their lives. You know, it's like we have this natural tendency that when we meet someone, we share the stories of the horrible experiences. And, you know, in shamanism, there's this old saying that says that the stories that we tell are the communities that we build. Right. And so it's like, well, yeah, do you like that? I love that. I love that. Right. And so the stories that we tell is the communities that we build. And when we understand that, like storytelling came back from ancient shamanism, where the shaman would stand in front of the whole tribe and tell stories. He didn't tell stories that made the tribe weak. He didn't tell stories that made the tribe live in fear. He told stories that were inspiring, triumph, overcoming um, adversity, stories that made them see that they can do something that's impossible and make it possible. And that in, that in itself strengthened the community, strengthened the tribe, and they began to tell their stories in, in the fire meetings and, and so forth and so on. So as people started to grow through to years and years and years of the tribal community culture, they began to share only stories that were empowering and stories that were life-changing. And so much of that has been lost because we have been programmed in a world where they, the world wants us to constantly keep focusing on the lack, the limitation, and the scarcity and not utilize our voice, our awareness of our voice to speak, to share, to illuminate someone's mind with information that allows them to grow from those stories, stories that inspire. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted you on, on Ancient Wisdom is because that's exactly what Aware Now magazine is about. And that's what you've created through the awareness ties and, and stepped into that space of saying, hey, I'm going to share those stories by the fire. I'm going to be that, that medicine woman who is going to step forth and bring that level of building community. So, you know, you're a woman of many traits and you have a slew of talents. How do you tend to all your talents in your dreams? Well, you know, just just one, just to accept the fact that I can only do, I only have so much bandwidth, right? We all have only so much bandwidth. <laughs> no, you know. This. I don't know where I get my bandwidth. I don't know if it's like some extra storage that I have going on that I've like accumulated in another lifetime or something. <laughs> because you see my energy. I am like, I get up at 5.30 every morning and go until late night because I'm a night owl. And it's just, I'm like, where am I getting this extra energy? But yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> you know, so it's like when you can, it, it's, being creative, when you can be creative, when you have so much that you want to give the world, I think that's helpful. I think it's if your intention is in proper alignment and it's in of service to others, that allows, that facilitates so much more doing in your being, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, I love poetry. Yeah, I love wine. Yeah, I love all these things. How can I use this to be of service? And if you keep that at the front of your mind and that's what your, you know, compass is in alignment with, then I think I I wake up every day excited just to say, what can I do with myself today to serve? And I've had the great honor and great privilege with Jack of creating this platform and meeting so many incredible people like yourself where 
it really is a family. Every single story, I think we've told over, it's probably right around like 600 stories now, either exclusive interviews, personal stories. And you can identify very much with this, I'm sure, because I feel like every single one of those stories, it's like another life I've lived. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I feel like I have over 500 lifetimes that I've been able to be a part of and experience. And so just trying to be of service to that. And uh, yeah, so take the talents and use them to do good for other people. Sorry. I think that's beautiful. You know, I think a lot of times when people are thinking about talents, they're focusing on their survival mode. They're focusing on the, the idea of I need to make money and I need to be popular and so that I can make money and be famous, right? And a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people think that in, in the world that they, they, they need to be seen, they need to be known and that they think that will justify or qualify them in some way for their purpose or for their in, the intention of their existence or the idea of them being loved or valued in society. And I love what you said is about being of service because the idea of being of service, you know, it was so funny because I was laying in my bed the other day and I had said to myself, gosh, you know, on this planet, you have to keep doing things like you can't just stop. But it's also nice to know that you're doing it to do it for something where you're actually doing something that is about supporting someone or people or community or nature or animals or what, what have you, right? Yeah. It, it is creating that awareness, that global or that community or that, that integrated awareness that your existence is not just for your existence, but your existence is for someone else as well. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of times, you know, we forget about that because we're, we've been programmed in a world where you're supposed to have a career, go get a job, you know, pay the bills and, you know, and, and live your life, make babies, have kids. And some people, it's not about making babies and having kids, or it's just about having someone that special other person in your life. But what we forget is that our lives is for the life of others. It's not just ours. I mean, yes, we have to nurture ourselves and, and take those wonderful time to come in and be that self-nurturer so that we are able to constantly keep our, our replenishment so that the overflow is what we give away. But at the same time, there has to be an awareness that my life is not just for me, but my life is also for the benefit of others. And that's something really important. How do you bring that awareness into your life and into the lives of others? I mean, I think, again, I think with just with the, just simply by doing and by literally one story at a time with every single story comes in. It's interesting because the benefit of that story, like who gains from that? Who does that serve? It serves the one who's sharing and it serves the one who's receiving, right? So we have so many of our, our columnists that contribute to the magazine and they have come to us. You know, I think I've been in tears with almost all of them of these beautiful stories about how this has made them feel, how this has changed their lives just in that giving, right? And then people then also come to us to say, wow, I never realized this. I never realized that. I never got it and now I get it. And so people coming to us 
on the receiving end of that. And so you see this beautiful exchange of energy in the giving and the receiving and to just try to facilitate that through storytelling, the most powerful tool that we have, you know, that humanity has. And just to realize the value of your voice, that it is the most valuable asset you will ever own in your life. And to say that it doesn't matter if you have been through something, you know, on the scale from one to 10, it's a one. Oh, it's not worth talking about. It's only a one. And say, no, all of the ones add up, don't they? And so it's not uh, that everyone's voice is not only valid, but valuable. And sometimes you don't know that until you share it, until someone else hears it. And then it starts to resonate and then you get it. And then you understand. And some people go through their whole lives feeling that what they have to say has no value when it absolutely does. And so, I mean, the way that we bring awareness again is just unsiloing people because we all have a tendency to be very siloed at times in our own, like you're saying, in our own self-sustaining lives that, you know, oh, this is my life. I'm doing these things when really we're part of something so much bigger. And so when you can release people from their silos, and that's why we create the table of causes, similar to the table of elements, it's mirrored to the design of a periodic chart. You can click on a cause, go to that page and like get deep into it, but then you can come back to the whole table and click on a different cause and then go to that page and get deep there. It's really about creating this community of all these causes. Because here's the thing, you could uh, be a veteran who has cancer, who belongs to the LGBTQ community. If you were to only focus on that one cause that you have, you know, we're, we all are connected to so many different causes. And it is that one cause that connects all of us, that being the human cause. And so I don't care which story it is, any of the over 600 stories that we've shared in our magazine thus far, that there is a common thread woven through every single one of them. And that is empathy. And that gift of empathy that when you read that, you get to stand in that person's footsteps. You get to walk on their path. And what a beautiful gift is that to get outside of ourselves. We're so trapped so often. And we really, we just need to listen and realize that we are part of something bigger than we are and how beautiful that is. It's kind of refreshing to feel small, you know, <laughs> that you don't have to be uh -huh. the, the thing because you're not, you're part of the thing. Yes. You know, I wanted to go into the understanding of that whole thing with empathy because a lot of people on the planet have forgotten the understanding. Because, you know, I always say charity is a bad word to me, right? Charity is just to me is just a bad word because it's just the act of like, I have to give to charity because I have so much or, you know, and this instead of looking at it from the perspective of, of actionable cause and support, right? So it's really saying, okay, what is something that I, myself, with my life and all the experiences that I've had and where I'm at financially or whatever it may be, what is it that I actually can bring actionable cause to from a place of love because I want to see this thing, you know, either brought to, to the attention of the world, of the people's consciousness, or I want to help alleviate this from being on the planet as a, as a source of pain or suffering, right? And many other causes for that matter. And so a lot of times I think people get so caught up 
and thinking that if they just focus on their families and they focus on their, you know, what they see in front of them, that those things are going to work themselves out. What are your thoughts when it comes to that type of mentality that, you know what, someone else is going to do it. It doesn't have to be me. I don't need to get involved. I don't need to share my voice. I don't need to take my resources and, and contribute to the global family of earth because someone else is going to do it. I have to focus on just my kids or my family or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my lover or whoever it may be. Isn't that causing a problem when people do that on a, on a real big scale because of the fact that we are, the problems are just going to get worse and worse and worse and eventually implode upon their lives that they've insulated themselves in? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. It's, and it goes back to, you know, be the change that you want to see. We all have, we are all responsible. We are all in this together and it's, it's, it's us, you know? And so for someone to say, well, someone else will do it, but if not me, who can you, can you for sure guarantee someone else is going to do it? What if they don't, Mm. you know? And so you can't, I mean, we all know what people say about assumptions, right? So we cannot be making (laughs) those sorts of assumptions. And I suppose that the bigger problem is this for me. I feel like, and like how you're saying with charity, a lot of times when I hear the word charity too, I think of obligation. I'm obligated to do that. And for, I don't, you know, we're a charitable organization. I suppose you can call us that, but I don't want anyone's charity. I want to to invite people to be a part of this. You know, we created now our Aware Now Nation, for example, where, you know, you don't have to go and save the whole world, but to be part of it. We're not going to ask you to change the world, but help us, you know, let's do it together. And so, you know, I feel like change cannot be this external thing. It has to be internal. And in terms of society, it cannot be, this change cannot be outside pushed in. It cannot be, change cannot come from, from uh, you know, rulings and regulations. It has to come from inside to be sustainable, right? People have to want it. So it's, it's not how do you change minds, but how do you change hearts? Minds are easy to change, but how do you change hearts? Because that's where it becomes sustainable. That's where, where it matters. Because if people are doing it simply because they have to, I feel like, oh, I have to do this. Well, then I don't, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want to live in a world that way. No exactly. way. No yeah, way. It's, not, it's inauthentic, I, I feel. you know. Yes. I want people to, like, to do things because they really, truly want to be a part of something greater and more beautiful in that expansion of, of what we're creating on the planet, you know? And I think that anytime we have to fight someone or convince someone to be a part of something that's only going to benefit them and their future generations to come, it's almost like a, it's like a mute point, you know, and in, in, in the sense of, what what's the point of doing that? Because you're not even if they do join or get involved, it's not going to come from the heart. And I think what, I love what you said is that we're not here to change minds; we're here to change hearts. And I think the heart has been hardened for a lot of people because they have a lot of distrust with you know their governments and their systems and their you know the people who say they're supposed to be protecting us. And, you know, I mean, we live on a planet of deception and lies. We live on a planet where we've been told to buy into something with the promise that we were going to get something. And all of it was a lie from the beginning. 
And so, you know, you go to life, you go to school, you go, you know, whatever path you take. I mean, for me, I didn't go to school because I knew exactly who I was and what I'm here to do. But there's a lot of friends of mine who went to, you know, high school, through college, got degrees and whatever. And, you know, were promised that, you know, if they did all of that and put up all that money and made all these choices, that they were going to come out and be able to live a, a semi what normal life if if you know if they can based on you know the of course inflation rates and all the other things that are taking place right but at the same time the the amount of pressure the amount of 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 you know things going up um, in prices what's being expected of us in order for us to be able to thrive has been so completely distorted. You know, I was just actually talking to uh, my girlfriend last night and I was saying how we might need to buy a plot of land and build a spiritual communi- commune, community that is governed in sustainability and offering uh, high levels of emotional intelligence and awareness and art and, and so forth and use that as getting people to come in and invest in that to bring that investment to helping causes and doing things because the world is getting more and more vacuous in their behaviors towards understanding that we're, like you said, we're all in this together. What do you think it's going to take, my love, for people to see that just getting a job and paying your bills is not living and that Mm. true living is giving? Uh, It's so funny because I was, oh, I just got goose. Can you see the goosebumps? I just got goosebumps when you said that (laughs) because I was going to, to say How amazing if we could all simply live to give. What if that was it? What I think the way that we get there is to have people stop looking at the what of it and look at the why of it. Why? We spend so much time on the what of things that we totally disregard the why of it. It's not even considered, in fact, often. And so I think if we can again, just realize that it's not about, it's about us. Like, what does us really mean? Us means, and I remember something very powerful that you said in the interview that we did with you, where you're talking about the fact that, you know, you're not healed until everyone's healed because we're all made of the same stuff. We are all this energy. We're just different parts and pieces of it. So that people just need to understand that they are part of something. They are not the thing. They are part of something that is so much bigger and that we can't understand or wrap our arms around because we weren't designed to simply. We were simply meant to be part of it and to contribute to it. Yes. And I have to say, I think the way I can personally speak to that is my own experience. It used to be, oh, here's Allie. It used to be Allie's center stage. Here's the spotlight and do my speaking and singing all the things. And I felt really good getting all this energy and giving it back out and energy in, energy out. I'm like, yes, I found my thing. This is what I'm supposed to do to contribute, to be part of it. It was a moment that I stepped off the stage and I helped someone onto the stage. Yes. That I felt purpose, that I felt this is the thing. And that I was so much happier to see someone else, to to raise someone else up than to stand on anyone else's shoulders. But for me to be the one who has served as the base, that 
was everything. And I wish that for everyone because the lights get old and they get bright and annoying. And it's when you step off stage, there's a confidence that comes with that and a satisfaction that I, that I never knew when it was me at the center. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love what you said and yes, it's true. You know, I always say that, you know, people have this idea of the healing. Like you said, when you interviewed me for the magazine, I look at life like a puzzle piece. You know, when you, when I was a kid, I still love doing puzzles. I actually still do them and I, I love them. And so does my nieces. And we will sometimes scatter puzzles on tables in our home and we, we sit and do puzzles. And What's interesting about it, when we do these puzzles, they're huge. You know, we did this one huge puzzle. It was a French one we did in the Hamptons when we were with the family. And just for me to build just one of the words that were in the puzzle that she was building the Eiffel Tower, the other one was building the city around the Eiffel Tower. The other one was building like the the place where the water is in France and like, we all had to build this, this part of the puzzle that was we were putting so much love and effort into to get to actually add it with my niece's part, to add it to my brother-in-law's part, to add it to my other niece's part to, so that we could bring it together to add it to my sister's part that she was building to create the puzzle. And I think that's how life is, you know, like I... One of the things that I love is what, when Dr. Martin Luther King said that I may not get to the promised land, but I'm not doing what I'm doing for the reward, to, for the finish, for the, for the accolades that come at the end, right? It's, it's not done. I'm just doing my part. And then from there, someone will do their part. And then from there, someone will do their, their part until one day racism is completely eradicated from the planet and love, understanding, nurturing care for for people because of their color, their race, their choices are being seen and acknowledged as a truth that is self-evident. And that to me spoke to me because it's the, it's for me, it's not, I'm not here thinking, oh, I'm going to end this or I'm going to end this on this planet. Like, I wake up every day knowing that I'm chipping away at something that is huge and big. But that chip that I'm doing is so necessary and important that there is no small way to to see it. It is grand in its own gesture, but the chip itself must be done. And so one can say, oh, but you're not really making a difference. No, but I am because my little chip then adds someone else's little chip and then someone else's chips off and then another chip off. And before you know it, we create a crack and that crack crumbles the next layer and then we go and then someone comes in. I'm not going to live forever. I know that. But I will leave a legacy behind to show people how we can continue to, to little by little bring our love to the table and help others bring their love to the table. And I think... You know what your magazine does and what it what it really inspired me and also you know my girlfriend Princess Martha Louise was that it gave us 
uh, a glimpse into the lives of other people and where they are in that puzzle piece, where they are in that in that chipping away at the big rock of Gibraltar, right? right? That huge ice glacier that we think is actually this small, tiny thing. And there's a huge portion that we don't even see. But even just there by that, let them just focusing on that part and another person focusing on another part and another person focusing on another part, we will be able to, to make, you know, great change. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is people get very caught up in if they don't see change right away, they think, oh, nothing is changing. So they just assume that nothing is changing and it's just getting worse and worse. And I feel like those are the, those to me are the worst kind of people the people who constantly look for the damage, who keep looking for the the end, the 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 destruction, they that, that things aren't changing because they don't understand how change um, occurs, and those people could be best suited by focusing that change is happening because everyone is doing their part. So, what are you doing to do your part? So my question to you is, what do you envision for Awareness Ties and how do you plan on bringing more awareness to each of the stories you write and sharing it with the world to create a greater impact? By forcing nothing and allowing everything. You know, we I think the first way we're going to get there, our course, what it looks like, we're not sure. And we're really confident in that unsuredness because we have come to realize that it is not about the end point. Yeah. We are so often tethered to the outcome of things. We're so fixated on the outcome that you know we forget about the process. Mm-hmm. And to your point, how you're saying, you know, people are so afraid if they can't do the big thing, they feel like the small thing doesn't matter. But it's the small things that make the big thing. And I think there's a poem, I can't remember how it goes, but it's little drops of water, little grains of sand, make the mighty ocean and the desert land. Thus, the little minutes, humble though they be, make the mighty ages of eternity. And that is true. So be your little grain of sand that you are, be your little drop of water, and that's all you need to be. People don't, we're we're human beings, but it's so difficult to just be, you know, have to go and to do and to like all these things and force things as opposed to just allow them. And so for us, we're going to, we know we can't get where we need to go alone. We're going to continue to build our Aware Now Nation. I'm going to have a conversation with Janet Jackson. I want to. I, I think that she needs to come on board and she needs to say, we are a part of Aware Now Nation. I think I that'd be it. great. We are a part <laughs> of Aware Now Nation. Oh, yes. See how it just feels really good on your throat? So we're going to do it together. What does that path look like exactly? We're learning every day because it's evolving. Where we are now, we had no idea this is what it was going to be. And we know that what it's going to be, we still don't know. We're just allowing it to evolve as it will and as it's been evolving with the partnerships that are created, with the supporters that are creating, again, not forcing anything, just allowing it to happen. Because we stick with our rating, our rating is we are rated O for original and organic content to raise awareness for causes. And as long as we stay in alignment with that, we know that the path will present itself. So we're not worried about finding it really. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I remember when I was living in um, Echo Park a long time ago, 
I would go outside and there was this guy who used to go up and down my street where I lived. I lived in a cul-de-sac and I had like a tree house there at the end of the cul-de-sac. And my next door neighbor was Chris Pine. <laughs> and it was he was just starting out with his acting and we were friends. And we had like kind of this whole little community in our little cul-de-sac in Echo Park. And, you know, and there was this guy who used to always come and he used to like pick up trash and me and Chris would see him and be like, you know, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just picking up trash. And I'm like, yeah, but it's always getting filled with more trash. And he's like, yes, but if I don't pick it up, it'll get filled up even more. So I'm just doing my part. And so I was like, whoa. So Chris was like, that's really cool, you know? And so I started to, you know, get up in the morning because when I would take my walks down my block, I would bring a little bag with me and I'd see like bottles and things thrown on the ground and stuff. And I would pick it up as well. And then one day a gang member in that area saw me and was like, Hey, SA, what are you doing, man? Blah, blah, blah. I was talking to me. And I started becoming friends with a lot of the gang members in Echo Park and, and Silver Lake area around that area because I would see them and then I would, I would see them like drinking on my block or things like that. And I'd go out there and be like, Hey, you guys, here's a bag. Please put your bottles in the bag. Don't just leave it on our neighbor's porch and stuff like that. And, and they started having this respect for me because I'd go out there and talk to them and share with them, you know, information and wisdom and things that they can do to improve their lives and make their lives better and so forth. So they started, every time they would come on that street, they started picking up all the trash on that street and not leaving the bottles and cleaning it up. And one time, one of my girlfriends was visiting and she lives out in Venice and she was visiting me and she couldn't find my, my tree house. And so she was driving down the street and one of the guys saw her, you know, cause they were on the corner and they go, Oh, are you here to see the shaman? You know? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, well, right this way, lady, you know? And, and then she's like, you know, shaman Durek. And they're like, yeah, yeah. We all know shaman Durek, man. You know? Yeah. He's cool, man. You know? And every time seeing them picking up the trash, goes back to when I was picking up the trash because they saw me. And then I, because me and Chris saw the guy picking up trash, you know, Chris was also making sure that the street was always clean. And we just, we had the most cleanest street and like all the neighbors started picking up trash all the time. We on our street was spotless because we all started just because that guy did that one act it, it inspired me and inspired Chris. It started to inspire all. And then it inspired the gang members in the area. And then they started picking up in areas and it just started, you know, we started keeping it really clean. And it's just that kind of connection that we see when we're inspired, the inspiration that we get when we are seeing someone do the act of something, you know, that is, that is about creating a change in some way in someone's life for the planet, you know, for something. You know, and I think that intrinsically in the nature of humanity, outside of the pain and the hurt and the suffering that people have endured or the uh, distrust that they have because of the, the, the self-betrayal they've created for themselves or the ones that they've been experienced through and through their families or through the world system, we have a choice to inspire ourselves by being inspired by creating that energy in someone's life. There's nothing greater than seeing something become better, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. to, to seeing something to, that reaches beyond what we think 
as possibility for change. So I, that to me is the most, for me, the most impactful experience. And I wanted to ask you, which story or interview impacted you the most, my love? I would say that is the story of Delilah. And that is a story. So when I found out I got, you know, when I was diagnosed with MS, what do you do? You have a new diagnosis. You Google it. You get online, you get scared yeah, beyond belief. WebMD or something like that. Right, right. So do that. And then the next thing you do is like, okay, I found out everything I didn't want to know, but now I know it. So what do I do now? You find a community, right? So I get onto Insta, hashtag MS, and there I go. And I start connecting, start finding people who have been there, who have done that and are doing it. And so in doing that, I came across a woman named Cecilia Baker. And so we connected, exchanged, you know, had a couple of exchanges. And I was looking through her feed and I saw these photos of her daughter with the hashtag Rhett on it. And so there's her daughter young woman with these bright blue eyes, dark curly hair, in a wheelchair, read more about her story, totally nonverbal. And she has something called RET. I'd never heard of it. And so I started looking into it and wow, if I didn't know, I bet other people didn't know. Do you want to share your story in in the magazine? And she said, absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I would love to. And so she shares her story. I interviewed her and there was one question I asked her and one response she gave that I will never forget for the rest of my life. I asked her, I said, what is the hardest thing about being Delilah's mother? And she responded, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not sure that she will. So do I have Rett syndrome? No. Does Jack know? Do any of our six children have it? No. You want to bet that story didn't impact me? Do you want to bet that story was not relevant to me? You want to bet that story didn't change my life? Just because that's not my silo. Right. There was that common thread and as a parent, just as a person. Um, So I think that's probably, I mean, there's so many stories, so impactful, but that one really really helped me understand how important this work is, how important these stories are, Mm -hmm. how important it is that there is a space for these stories to be shared, to be seen, to be heard, and how dedicated we are to being that and to doing that. That one story, that one question, that one answer changed my life. Yeah. You know, it's... um... Let's take a pause for a moment and just kind of like take in that emotion that we just went through of that. Sometimes we, we, we don't understand the calamity or the difficulty or the struggle or the pain or the hurt or the anguish another human being is going through. We, we don't understand it. We don't, you know, we don't understand the, the energy of, of what that represents because we've not gone through it. And I think having that level of empathy and that level of compassion 
that level of I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen. I'm here to to learn. I'm here to be inspired. I'm here to to just hold space for you. It is so important and and poignant in how we are developing our species. You know, there is this great moment in that sacred holding that represents such a huge wellspring of nurturing for for life, not just in the individuals who are experiencing it, but for those who will pass it on to others because of the, it was so gracefully given to them is so important. And I think that we as human beings owe it to ourselves to seek a graceful, more loving, more nurturing space in life and community with people. You know, even like times where I would just sit on a bench and speak to a person who I don't even know and listen to their stories and really walk away with some really amazing wisdom in which to, to take into my own life and utilize so that I can then begin to, to foster and, and create change where a change is necessary. I think one of the most courageous things we can do as a human being is to take that time to hold that space. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's what I feel. And, and I'm really, really, um, really, really happy that you are here on Ancient Wisdom today sharing, you know, with everyone about your magazine, about Awareness Ties, about, you know, you and, and how you are, you know, triumphing and moving through your own challenges. You know, I've gone through a lot of challenges in my own life with my health and, and, and it has been very painful it has been depressing. It has been times where I wake up and I'm asking myself, like, why is this happening to me? You know, we go through all those different things. Sometimes we go to places where we just want to throw in the white towel and say, I've had enough. I, I, I've been there and experienced that, you know. I even when I was in a wheelchair for a while and even just having been on dialysis for eight years in all of those things have marked me with such a, a great understanding of human suffering and the level of nurturing that we need to provide, not just to ourselves, but to each other as, as, as the great gift that we could ever offer someone. I think that, you know, I remember when I was, I remember when I was with no kidney and I was on dialysis for eight years and eight years of dialysis and no one came forth and said, hey, I want to give you a kidney. I want to be that person who wants to see you live. You know, it was my sister who finally decided after having three, three kids and I had to wait for her to have those three kids. But it was people were like, oh, I'm scared. I'm this and I'm that. And I'm like, OK, you know, they're entitled to feel what they need to feel. But it was the understanding of like, if someone had asked me if I was in good health and someone had problems with their kidney, I would be like, yeah, of course I'm going to give you a kidney because I want you to live. I want you to, to enjoy another day at the beach, another moment with your friends and your family and do more beautiful things in the world. 
But I, I think because we 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 ha- we we have to really develop more empathy, more understanding, so that we can begin to step into that space of selfless service. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and and really get out of this idea of oh well I can't do that because I'm scared or I can't do that because it's too much for me or I can't do that because I don't have the time or I can't do that because you know, I don't understand where I'm best suited to support. And it, I think it's the idea of supporting something or supporting anything or where you can. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I think with every day, it's just, again, and not like, what am I doing with my life? But why am I doing it? Not what am I doing with this moment, but why? You know, even something so small as, you know, oh, I'm, I'm I'm washing these dishes, but why? Because you're taking care of the things that you've been blessed with, because you're taking care of your family and you want to, you know, if we just can look at these small things, we don't have to have the big answers. We can just go about our life with the small solutions. And that's all we need to do. And when we look at our lives, not being our lives, but about being life. And it's not about the ownership of, well, this works for me and this works for, you know, it's not about you. It's about us. And I think if people could understand what a blessing that is, what a gift that perspective is. For example, this story I just shared with you about Delilah, you know, the fact that that was such a gift that I'd been given. And every time I share it, I feel so thankful that I have the opportunity to gift that to someone else. Mm -hmm. And if you live just simply to give, that's that's when you get everything. When when you understand that the getting comes from the giving, how your life will be so incredibly changed and fulfilled. And why are we so hungry? Why are we so thirsty always? It's because we're feeding the and we're feeding the wrong thing. Yes. If we're by feeding others, that is how we feed ourselves. And when we just realize it's not about us, all of a sudden life becomes a lot lighter. Yes. Oh, I'm not six. I'm not this. Well, that's okay. It's not about me anyway. Yeah. You know. Exactly. <laughs> not about me. And I think like how you're saying that selfless service, the intention behind it. You want to, people say, oh, you know, I go to church every Sunday. Okay, well, that's that's great. What do you do when you're not sitting there? It's not about how you allocate your time. It's about how you allocate your, your service. Yes. And um, not the what you're doing, but the why you're doing it. And I think if we can all just focus on the why, I think we'd have so much instant clarity, so much perspective from every single story that I've heard and shared. I mean, man. It just gives you instant perspective. The moment she said, I don't know if she's going to wake up in the morning. You know what? Instant perspective. So then if I woke up that morning, like, oh man, I got this and I've got that, but I've got that. Exactly. That right there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, but I say it's the small thing. So it's like, even when, you know, the other day I caught myself, I'm not perfect. I slip all the time, you know? And so one of those slips, I'm like, oh, God. like I see a mountain of laundry and I'm like, man, oh, and then I'm like, no, no, no. How thankful am I that 
we have these children that that we can clothe, you know? How thankful am I that I've got a washing machine that works? How thankful am I if we can just pivot those little things and be so grateful and have gratitude for the moment? And I'll never forget forget when Maya Angelou, I mean, everything she says is brilliant, but when she had said, I remember her writing somewhere, the fact that, you know, watch yourself about complaining because there are a lot of people who went to sleep last night expecting to wake up and some never did. That's right. You know? And so just take the moment and own it. Just do that. Should be that easy, shouldn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I love me some Milo Angelo. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but you know, it, it is. It's just the power that each and every one of us has, but doesn't realize to create change and that we do that incrementally. It's just yeah. the smallest little bits. Every conversation you have, every story we get to share, it's it's that sharing and that energy exchange that happens there, that understanding, that awareness. That's everything. Yes. Well, I am just so happy that you were with us on Ancient Wisdom today. And how can people get in touch with you to share their stories? How can people find you? Where can they get your magazine? Please share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go, IamAwareNow.com. I am awarenow.com. That takes you to our website. There you can find the magazine. Um, you can subscribe for it to it for free there. Uh, you can access our podcast, our our show, our TV show. Um, everything is there. So I'm awarenow.com. You can join Aware Now Nation. And um, which simply just means like, hey, I want to pay attention. I want to be aware and join the rest of us who are trying to do that. Thank you, my love. I love you, Ali, so much. I'm so happy that you were here with us. Hearts for days. <laughs> for days, days. so much. <laughs> what we say in Hawaii, for days. Um, yeah, I'm just so excited that you were here with us on Ancient Wisdom today. And everyone, please do go and get involved. If you got stories to share, please share them with Ali. The world needs to hear you. There's so much love to be shared and so much nurturing need to be had. And I'm just very happy that we get to be on the planet together to create that wellspring of love and nurturing for others so that they can come forth and share their stories and and, and come into more triumphs and more collective resourcing. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let, thank you let, so much. Let's continue creating that change on the planet every day. Onward, onward we go. Onward we go. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome so much. Sometimes it feels like too much. All the madness swims around you, and you feel like you were drowning. Feels like you should just give up. On the visions that you see Like a lighthouse in the dark And that's when you make your choice To follow the crowd Or lift your voice Allowing your soul to rise And choosing to believe
And you live.